Hi, I'm Annette Rue, and this is Ruminate on That. Hey everyone, great to be back. Today we're talking about something that I've ruminated and pondered for years actually, and I find myself in another cycle of this process, meditating on it again. And there's a quote that I came across recently from Frederick Langridge, and it's from 1896. And he said, two men look out through the same prison bars. One sees the mud and one sees the stars. Same opportunity, same location for these two men, seeing two different things. So here's the question we're starting with. Where are you fixing your gaze in whatever situation you're facing in life? I'm asking myself this. So many big moments in life can hinge on one crucial thing perspective. Today we're talking about an intimidating question. What are you doing with your life? And you may think, oh, that takes me back to high school. Or if you're in high school, you're like, yes, I'm tired of being asked this question. However, there are many seasons of life where this question comes back around. And in some cases, it's just a slightly different form of it. So obviously in high school, Everyone's asking, what are you doing with your life? Where are you going to go to college? What do you want to study? And it's hard. It feels like a lot of pressure. Then when you get to college, it turns into, instead of what are you doing with your life, people just say it differently and they say, what's your major? And we all know how college majors go. Uh, the people typically change their major multiple times. That's not uncommon. After college especially if you don't find the dream job immediately. The question sounds more like, so what are you doing now? Like, are you using your degree? Statistics show that a lot of people actually graduating with a college degree for various reasons don't actually have the opportunity to use it right away. In some cases, people don't use it at all. And there are a lot of different reasons for that. There's a lot of statistics out there. I came across a couple of articles that talked about a study that had been done. And it said that about 27% of people are actually using their college degree in, in their current job. And that's a little disturbing. But I do want to say this. The process of higher education has a lot of other benefits besides just the degree itself. But that's another episode. Going back to this college season, this question that we get, like, what are you doing with your life? What asking when people say, what is your major? It's asking you, what are you investing? What are you going to give your life to? That's what it feels like. And then after college is done and you're out there in the working world, that question maybe doesn't sound quite the same with what are you doing with your life? Now people say it. So what do you do? But that's really what they're asking. And then there are these other times in life, and they can come in any season at any age, where you're actually asking yourself this question, what am I doing with my life? And I think that if we think about it for a minute, we recognize it's more than just that. It's actually kind of a desire to understand what is my purpose? What am I actually doing here? That's a classic question. 
in human thought is what is the meaning of life? What are we doing here? And I think that question of what are you doing with your life? What am I doing with my life is along the same thread. Let's go back to the two prisoners for a moment. One prisoner sees the obvious. He's looking at the mud. It's a dim reminder of reality and he's discouraged. He feels feelings of anger and hopelessness and bitterness. He's stuck and it's rising from deep within. The other prisoner sees the stars. So he chooses to look at the possibilities beyond the obvious. Hope is rising from deep within. And there's faith thinking of a second chance and the life ahead. Our perspective in these moments when we're asking ourselves this question, what am I doing with my life? Our perspective is so important. What we do is a big deal for us. And we are built for work. Our creator literally gave instructions and biologically built us to work. He gave instructions about working six days and resting one day. Work is good for us. There are so many benefits to working. There's fulfillment. There's just this sense of productivity that can bring a satisfaction. Like I accomplished something. I did something today. Work can benefit us in a lot of other ways, including financially. It literally sustains our life when we have a job and it allows us to provide for a home and whatever lifestyle that we're pursuing. The thing is, we just have to be careful to not lose our identity in what we do. But that's another episode. So when we look at what are you doing with your life, there's no formula for figuring this out. And I have to say that it doesn't matter if you're in your 20s or your 30s or your 60s. This question can still come back because it's all about examining what am I actually doing? What am I giving myself to? And usually when you're asking that question, it's because you're not so sure you like the answer in its current state. There's no formula and it doesn't matter what season of life you're in. But if you're asking this question for whatever reason, I just want to humbly offer some ideas for you to consider. And I just called it six essentials for finding direction. This is not a formula. It's not six steps to knowing your purpose. These are all different essential pieces that are part of a process. Essential number one, the right tools. There are some tools really in what is a process of discovery that you may need to go on. You might need to take a journey of discovery. And the thing that you're trying to uncover is who you are, how you're wired, what you love. There are a lot of practical tools out there, especially in the information age we live in. You can go online and you can find 25 or more personality assessments to help you understand yourself, increase self-awareness. I highly recommend that process, actually. For a project I was just doing recently um, at church, we were looking at a bunch of different assessments and I took 10 different assessments or I retook 10 different assessments. And there are a bunch of them and I'm actually going to include some links to various assessments that I think are really helpful in the show notes. So if you're curious about that, I'd really encourage you to take several different ones. The Myers-Briggs has been around forever, Strengths Finder, Standout, the DISC assessment. I love 16personalities.com. It's got some great interactive stuff there. 
For me, the king of all assessments is the Enneagram, and I probably will do a future episode almost like a primer on the Enneagram. I am certainly no expert. I'm just an enormous fan, and I'll bring in a guest host and we can talk about that. But I think that the power of these assessments, these it's a tool that kind of helps you look into a mirror in some ways, but to look and see what are the areas of strength? where What are some ways that I'm naturally wired? How does my brain typically work without me even consciously thinking about it? Because all of those things are really important if you're looking at and wondering what you're wired to do and what am I doing? What do I want to do with my life? Another tool that can be helpful that's very practical is an aptitude test. We took those a lot in high school. Some of the assessments are similar in that, but it kind of asks you questions to evaluate your preferences and even experiences. Again, there's a lot of resources online for that. So there's practical tools. There's also spiritual tools. Again, Jesus is at the center of everything for me, and he has led me through so many difficult seasons and he's really helped me to discover who I am, what I'm, what I'm wired to do. And spiritual tools are a massive part of that. They offer a huge advantage. Some of these tools I'm going to cover, for those of you that already are a follower of Jesus, they're going to seem basic. But what we need to remember about these basic things is that they give us a supernatural perspective. A supernatural, beyond the natural perspective, something that you can't see without God opening a window or giving you a different lens. And he's so gracious to do that. Obviously, one of the spiritual tools is the Bible. It's an ancient text, but it's crazy how it's alive and it still speaks to current realities in ways that I am still amazed by. Literally just this week, I sat with two other women doing an exercise and we were reading from Colossians chapter three. We're reading the exact same chapter and we read it together. And then each of us just pointed out, we showed, talked about a verse that stood out to us. And it was amazing as we each chose a different verse completely. And that verse spoke directly to a situation that we were facing. And it's incredible how this ancient text has this ability to cut through and hit the heart every time in a different way. It's amazing. It says, his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So why would I not want to consult God and his word when I'm asking the question, what am I doing here? The second spiritual tool is prayer. Of course, this is a conversation. It's a conversation that is unlike any other because you're conversing with the the one who created you. And those conversations are transformational. The more you talk, the more you listen, the more you get in sync and conversation with God, it begins to change you from the inside out. And it's another supernatural thing. The combination of reading his word and spending regular conversation with the Lord. It's cool because it results in familiarity with his voice. You just become familiar and you know when he's speaking to you. It's kind of like when you're out in the neighborhood with your friends. And I know, especially when I was growing up, um, we would play outside, and especially summer evenings. Like I just remember it like it was yesterday. Play outside for hours, and then when the when the streetlights go off, you got to go inside. And it's crazy how you're outside and you're running around, and your friends are yelling and screaming, and you're having a good time, and you're like, you know, ha- halfway down the block. But when your mom comes out, even though it's noisy, and she yells your name down the street, you hear her. Her her voice just pierces through all the other noise because it's familiar. 
you know the tenor of it. You know the pitch of it. You even know, like, depending how she says your name, you're either in trouble because the streetlights have been off for a half hour or she's just letting you know that dinner's finished and you just know it. It's familiar. And spending time in the word and talking to God in conversation and prayer and making that a part of your life, those incredible tools will help you become familiar and you'll know his voice when he's speaking to you. And then the last tool that I want to mention is people, people tools. People are not tools. Well, some are. I digress. But another tool is to find people in your life that know you. They know how you're wired. They know what you love. They know how you think. And someone who's farther down the road than you are. This person can be a mentor. They can just be someone who steps into your life, maybe for a season, to give some advice, to offer some perspective, to share some insight. But lean on others. When you are asking this big question and you're really searching, like, what am I doing? Um, Look to these tools. The second essential is trials. I know when we hear that word, we're not necessarily excited about that prospect, One definition of the word trials is times of difficulty, hardship, and that is definitely a part of this process. Unfortunately, when you're trying to understand who you are, pain and difficulty can be one of the most fantastic teachers because in stress, we're squeezed and then the reality of who we are comes out. So trials can really help us see what's going on inside of us. How we respond to difficulty can show us some things that are happening that we may need to deal with so that we can step into the fullness of of who God's called us to be. There's a quote from Lynn Austin. She said, Yahweh deals with our pride and self-sufficiency through adversity. In adversity, our intellectual knowledge becomes actual knowledge. And that's so true. A trial can produce self-examination. It causes you to get honest with yourself. Something hard happens, you see your response to it. And if you're able to find that place of honesty with yourself, you can learn quickly and not have to get stuck in a repetitive cycle of repeating the same mistakes. However, another definition of the word trials is also included here. I think it's important. And it's literally about trying some stuff out. So when you are on a a search, on a journey to understand, what am I doing here? What am I doing with my life? Not only are you going to go through some difficulty and those things can teach you, but also you might need to just try some stuff, experiment, practice, be curious, explore. It's why internships are a common practice in almost every field of study. Because it gives you an opportunity to get your feet on the ground, be hands-on, and try some stuff. And you never know until you try, right? Trials are part of discovery. Essential number three is timing. This is huge when you're asking the question, what am I doing with my life? Usually you're asking the question and you feel the pressure to really need to know the answer. Depending on how you're wired, You either rush ahead and try to force something to happen because the pressure of that, of waiting, is difficult. Or you're too fearful to step out, so you just hide somewhere familiar and stay out of sight and just hope it passes. You've got to know your tendency. And again, if you invite a wise friend or mentor 
into this process with you, they can challenge you when you're tempted to follow that natural tendency and either rush ahead or just get stuck and hide somewhere. Timing is huge. When you're asking this question, take the time to really get the answer. Don't rush through the process. Again, it brings us back to this idea of ruminating. I keep going back there because it's such a crucial practice for us, especially when looking at big questions like this. Essential number four is talent. What is already inside you? Take some time, if you don't already know, to discover what God has naturally gifted you to do. And then you might need to take even more time to develop it further. I was one of those people growing up that I wanted to do everything (laughs) and I wanted to be good at everything, but I didn't always want to apply the discipline to become great at everything. But I tried so many different things. So that whole process of trials was great for me. I love to explore new things. I love new adventures, trying new stuff. But also I had to stop at a certain point and had to recognize, okay, there are some things that I have some natural ability to do. And if I took some time and developed this, I could become really good at it. And those are the kinds of things usually that God has wired us for. And if we just take some time to invest, it can really lead us to answering this question. What am I doing with my life? Talent is a great indicator of your potential future, but it doesn't always result in a vocation. It can, however, point to a skill set to develop. Sometimes, for example, if you're an amazing vocalist, you have a great singing voice, that's fantastic and it's a beautiful talent. It just doesn't always translate to, oh, one day I'm going to be paid to do this. So sometimes it will point, however, to a creative ability that you have a bent toward creativity. So that might be something to explore. Talent can also point you to your passions, to things that get you really excited and things that you'll stay up late working on or get up early to do. And that is a great indicator. Talent is a great indicator of what you may want to look at when you're trying to discover what you're doing with your life. Essential number five, today. Be intentional with today. Sometimes we're always looking so far into the future that we miss what's right in front of us. Be intentional with what you have right in front of you. What do you have to do? What is a problem that's right in front of you? What's, what is a, a circumstance that you see, a need that you see? Perhaps that is giving you an indication. If nothing else, it can provide some amazing practice and a process of discovery for you to try and see if it might be something that strikes a chord inside. I read something recently that talked about if you're searching for your purpose, maybe you need to look for problems and then look for the people. What are the problems that are really bothering you? What's happening around you that sticks with you and you get you get fired up when you talk about it? Who are the people that you see are being impacted? You might find your purpose there. You might find a thread of deep meaning, something that is important to you that may be something that you want to pursue. Because not everyone sees things the same way you do. Why do you uniquely see that problem and that group of people and have a desire to do something about it? Not everyone gets worked up about that. So it might be worth looking into. 
What do you see happening today? What do you feel you're supposed to do about it? If you're faithful to what is in front of you today, God will trust you with more. The last essential is trust. For the followers of Christ who are listening, I'm going to speak to you for a minute. We say we believe certain things about Jesus, but do we? We say we believe that he came to give us new life, yet we often prefer to live in the old version. And then we wonder why we're struggling. You struggle because you don't fit there anymore. If he came and made you new and you're trying to live in old clothes and trying to live in an old lifestyle, you're not going to fit. We say that we believe that he has made us to overcome. I am an overcomer. It looks great on an Instagram post. Yet I disqualify myself quickly for new things without even trying. What happened to overcoming? We say that we believe that he loves each of us passionately, uniquely, and equally. Yet we look at the favor on someone else's life and we're immediately convinced that we've messed up somewhere or God must be mad. I'm just not as good as them. Too often we call what we call believing is actually intellectual assent. Trusting is believing, which results in actually relinquishing control both in thought and in action. There's a verse in Psalm 26, verse 3, and in the Passion Translation, I love the wording of it. It says, Perfect absolute peace surrounds those whose imaginations are consumed with you. They confidently trust you. So followers, I'm asking you, do you actually trust God in that way? Is your imagination consumed by him? Are you confident in your trust? And if you are an explorer listening today, I would invite you that this might be a great time to ask God to come into the unknown space for you. What have you got to lose? Find a friend who has faith that can help you navigate what it might look like to invite God into that process. See if he is worth trusting. These six essentials for finding some direction, for looking at that question, what am I doing with my life? The tools, the trials, timing, the talent today and trust. I'm not suggesting an answer. I'm not suggesting a formula. I'm just suggesting a process. These are things that can help you engage in the process of discovery. And listen, it's okay to struggle with this question. God invites us to wrestle with the important issues in life, in faith, in identity. In the wrestling, in that place of waiting, we learn far more than the one thing we were originally seeking. So maybe you jot down these essentials. Maybe one or two stand out specifically to you and let the wrestling begin. As we close today, I want to give you a chance to ruminate for a few minutes when the podcast episode is complete. But let me leave you with this. It's a Franciscan prayer. It says, may God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and the exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, hunger, and war so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and to turn their pain to joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world 
so that you can do what others claim cannot be done to bring justice and kindness to all our children and the poor. Amen.